Thanks for listening to this Grace Point podcast produced by Cave Media and presented by Grace Point Community Church in Decula, Georgia. For more about our church, please visit our website at yourgracepoint.com. That's point spelled with an E on the end, P-O-I-N-T-E. The website again is yourgracepoint.com. That's yourgracepoint.com. Now, here's Pastor Aaron Zielinski. All right, we're going to have a... It'll be a little bit shorter this morning, just have a, a, a briefer sermon just to kind of uh, let you all get out earlier, either get get home and get to safety or get out and play in the snow, whichever you would have. For us, we're going to be going home and having snowball fights and making snowmen and doing donuts in the parking lot and all that good stuff. If you want, there's plenty of parking lot. You're free to do the donuts you want before you leave. And uh, But this morning, I do want to take a moment and uh, just talk about kind of struggling with sin. Uh, sin is something that we're, we're always going to wrestle with in this life. Um, it's, it's just a reality of it. We're, we're not going to achieve perfection. Um, those sins should be decreasing in our life and godliness should be increasing. We will still always be wrestling with temptations and struggles with sin. But the joyful thing is in the kingdom, which we're living in the kingdom now, Jesus came to bring his kingdom. He said the kingdom is at hand. He didn't say the kingdom is coming or will come. He said it's here. We're living it now. Um, Sin is already a defeated enemy in the kingdom. Sin is not victorious. Sin is not winning. Sin won't win. Sin will lose and is in fact already defeated. But we still wrestle with sin. And there are times we still lose in our struggle with sin. So how do we defeat a defeated enemy who keeps winning against us at times? Uh, I want to look at just three different things in, that are part of really God's plan for how we struggle with sin and can overcome sin in our wrestling with it. Step one, confess your sin. Okay, Everybody knows the first step to dealing with any problem is admitting that you have a problem. You know, I don't care if it's a 12-step program, if it's Teen Challenge, if it's whatever it might be, you know that step number one is you have to admit it. You've got to get out of denial. You have to admit. And this is what we see in Scripture in 1 John chapter 1. Uh, we see that confession is really where it begins because if we stay in denial of our sin, uh, we're, we're really calling God a liar and we're also lying about ourselves. And, and that John says, if we say we have no sin... We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Okay, that's the baseline. If we're saying we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves. It's not even the enemy deceiving us. We're deceiving ourselves by believing that. But if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar in his word is not in us. And you see how he kind of bracketed two statements of denying our sin with the powerful reality of confessing our sin in the middle. And if we deny that we have sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. We make God a liar and his word is not in us. That's a lot going on right there. So we've got to be willing to admit our sin, to confess it and get it out into the open. And that takes a lot of humility. You know, sometimes it's uh, one of those things, it's pride, It's shame, it's self-righteousness when we don't want to admit that we have sin to deal with. We don't want to name our sin to deal with it. We just want to keep things hidden. We want to keep it in the dark, but things fester in the dark. 
Okay, sin is always better in the light. We've got to bring it out into the light, and we do that through confession. Now, sometimes we tend to think confession means, well, I pray, and I, I tell God what I did, and I ask him to forgive me. That's a part of it. But it's not just between you and God. You know, we like to personalize everything and say, well, it's just between me and Jesus, but it's not. In James 5, 16, he says to confess your sins to one another. Okay, confession is a corporate reality. It's a part of life in the body. It's a relational thing. Everything in God and life in him and in his kingdom is relational. It's meant to be lived out, not just between us and him, but between us and him and the rest of the body. And so confession is no difference. There's a relational aspect to confession. That doesn't mean you have to schedule an appointment with me in my office and come and confess your sin in a Catholic sense. Um, it doesn't mean you have to get up here and confess all the details of your sin to everybody else. But it does mean there needs to be somebody, some other believer that you're confessing your sin to, that you're open with that you're very open, very candid, very real. This is what I've done. This is where I've been sinning. This is where I need to grow. This is where I need forgiveness. Whether it's your spouse, a fellow believer, a mentor, a sibling, you've got to have somebody. And I would encourage you in your times, make sure you find somebody that you can be open with and help bring your sin into the light. The scripture says that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So when you're being proud and prideful and thinking, I don't need to bring this out to anybody, you're inviting opposition from God. But if you humble yourself and are willing to confess your sin, you invite grace from God. And I don't know about you, but if I had a choice between opposition from God or grace from God, I'm taking grace every single time. So step one, confess your sin. Secondly, renew your mind. Okay, you've got to use your mouth and then you've got to deal with your mind. And there are a couple aspects of this um, that, that you have to do. One is know that you're free. You have to know that when it comes to sin, you're already free from sin in Christ. When you're in the kingdom, sin has no hold on you. It might seem like it does. It might look like it. It might look like you're bound in this thing and you're stuck into it and enslaved to it, but you're not. You're free from sin. Scripture declares this very, very plainly to us. And we see it in Romans chapter six. We're gonna look at a couple verses here that regardless of what things may look like and feel like and seem like in your life, this is the reality of the situation. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. So when you've come to Christ, and, and this is following off of his depiction of baptism, how we've been buried with Christ in baptism. If you have identified with Christ in his death and resurrection, you have died with him. And if you have died with Christ, you're free from sin. That's a statement of reality. Okay, that's not, well, I'm not in my life because I still struggle with it. You may still struggle with it, but it's not because you aren't free from it. You're free. You are no longer a slave to sin, just as we, we sang in that song. Think of it this way. Imagine when you're enslaved to sin and you've got shackles on your wrist, you know, you're bound to it. You've got the ball and chain around your ankle and you're in a prison cell locked up in, in jail. But once you've been set free in Christ, the door is open to the cell. The chains are 
unlocked. They're unshackled. You're not bound to them anymore. The ball and chain are laying on the floor. But sometimes we tend to hang out in the cell and feel like we're still trapped in there. But you have to know you're not. You're not a prisoner to sin. You're not a slave to sin. The door is open. We just have to walk out of it and leave that sin behind because we already have been set free. And you have to know that. And so you could take a verse like Romans 6, 7, that one who has died from sin has been set, or one who has died has been set free from sin. Memorize these verses. Write them on a note card and carry them around with you for a couple weeks and just meditate on that. You get a spare moment at your lunch break, pull that card out and just read over it a few times. Try to memorize it, meditate on it, pray through it. Say, God, I know that I'm free from sin. Help me to know that that's the case and to believe it. Lord, help me to walk in the freedom that you've given me. You've got to know that you are free. And the other side of that coin is that you have to know that you're forgiven. Okay, not only are you free from sin, but as you've confessed and repented in Christ, you're forgiven. We can't walk around feeling bound with, with shame, with doubt, with uh, this weight of our sin, feeling like it's still on us because in Christ, we're forgiven. You are no longer bound by sin and that no longer has sway over you. To go back to 1 John, in 1 John 1, 9, he says, if we confess our sin, remember this was in the middle between the two challenges of denying our sin, but if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's a promise. That's a statement of reality. That's not a, you know, maybe kind of thing. That's a, if you confess, he will forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So meditate on that as well and know that you're forgiven. That's one of the beautiful things I love about celebrating communion every Sunday is a reminder of what Jesus has done and that because of what he has done, we are forgiven. His blood was shed to wash away our sin. His body was broken that we could be forgiven. We stand in a covenant relationship with God and that's a covenant of forgiveness of sin. So know that you're free and know that you're forgiven. And you're going to have to keep meditating on those things. It's not, well, let me just read this once for a couple days and then just forget about it. You got to keep that up and really let it renew your mind. Remember, we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. When we change the way that we think, we change the things that we think about, that will begin to truly change us completely. So confess your sin, renew your mind, and then live your repentance. I think we have a, a bad habit of looking at 1 John 1, 9 and thinking, well, if I confess my sin, he'll forgive me. So all I have to do is pray and confess, and then I'm forgiven, and, and then I go sin, and I confess, and I'm forgiven, and then I sin, and I confess, and I'm forgiven. But confession is a necessary thing, but it's only the first thing. Confession is step one. Okay, we have to confess our sin but we also have to repent of our sin. Okay, repentance is more than just confession. Look at 1 John 1, 6 and 7. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. And when John or Paul or somebody in, in scripture refers to our walk, they're meaning our way of life. Okay, that it's the way that we live, our lifestyle. If we say we have fellowship with Jesus while we still live our life in darkness, we lie 
and do not practice the truth. See, truth is something we practice with our life, not just something we know. But if we walk in the light, that is if we live a, our lifestyle in the light as Jesus is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So being cleansed from our sin is not merely a matter of confession. It's confession and repentance that's lived out. Why John the baptizer told them to bear fruit in keeping with repentance because it's not just something we can say and think that that's enough to do. It has to be matched with a lifestyle. So we can't just say we're sorry. We've got to walk in the light. And Paul goes on in Romans 6 also to speak to some of the realities that follow with this thing. This is right after he talked about how we've been set free from sin. He says, but thanks be to God that you who once were slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members, and that's your, by members, he means your body parts. You've presented your bodies, yourselves, in your actions as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness. So now, as those who've been set free from sin, present your, your members, your body, your life, your actions as slaves to righteousness, which leads to sanctification. And you know, that's the process of becoming more and more like Jesus. We do that by offering our bodies, our body parts, our, our mouth, our speech, our hands, the way we engage with people, our ears, the things we let come in, our eyes, the things that we see. We offer our body parts to God as slaves to righteousness, to be used only for practices of righteousness and habits of righteousness and actions of righteousness in loving other people. So we are called to offer our bodies to him. And we need to be intentional about that. And just some practical ways is to, uh, to set safeguards. Okay, if you know where, where sin is an issue, rather than waiting for the fight with the sin and, and fighting with temptation, avoid the temptation. Okay, that, that's one of the surest ways to avoid sin is to just avoid temptation. You know, you'll never lose a fight that you don't get into. I promise I will never lose a fight to Mike Tyson. I'm never going to get in the ring with him. <laughs> you can't lose a fight you don't get into. So instead of trying to fight temptation, avoid temptation, right? Just move this thing back a little bit and say, instead of dealing with sin, I'm just going to get ahead of the temptation. And that's something even Jesus taught us to pray, you know, in the Lord's Prayer, Lead us not into temptation. He doesn't say deliver me from sin. He doesn't say keep me from sin. He says, lead me away from temptation that I don't even need to go there. Even Paul tells Timothy to flee temptation. Run from it. It's okay. Run away. Run away. You don't have to fight it. Just get away and you don't have to worry about it. Set safeguards, okay? Get other people involved in your business. Get, you know, the person you're, you're confessing to. I don't even, sometimes the term accountability partner is, is overused sometimes, but you need somebody in your life that you're following Jesus with, you're doing this walk together with, and they need to be in your business and they need to be in the know. Talk to them. Ask them for prayer. 
Tell them what's going on. Ask them for input, for wisdom. Set up new habits. Work on you. We talked about spiritual disciplines last week. Pray and ask God and seek the scriptures and see what kind of disciplines would be helpful for your circumstance. But you have to live your repentance. You can't just leave it as it is. So those are three things that we can do to really help in the struggle with sin is to confess your sin, renew your mind, and live your repentance. Thanks for listening to this Grace Point podcast produced by Cave Media and presented by Grace Point Community Church in Decula, Georgia. For more about our church, the website again is yourgracepoint.com. That's yourgracepoint.com. Until next time, God bless you. <laughs>